If you're good at something, never do it for free. You're my older brother, and I love you. But don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. I bought you. <laughs> Welcome back. We are the Podfellas. Our channel slash podcast provides film and TV reviews from two guys that make, watch, and love movies. I'm Myron, and joining me each week is, of course, Mr. Will. What's up, everybody? Today, we will be discussing the films Palm Springs, starring Andy Samberg, and we'll be ranking our top five time loop movies of all time, and we'll finish things off with a look back at the film Schindler's List. Thank you for making me watch this movie. It was, you know, you loved it. <laughs> I did, actually. Yeah. But first things first, let's get started, as always, with a rundown on the latest in entertainment news. First things first, Comic-Con will be fully virtual this year, with the entire conference streaming on YouTube for free. And uh, you and I had a chance to kind of look through the list of panels that will be uh, presented. Wanted to ask you what sticks out to you. What stood out to me was the New Mutants, which is a horror movie, basically. It's going to yeah. be kind of interesting. I I wonder if it's going to be similar to Brightburn, because Brightburn, like it was, it was pretty, it was pretty intense. I enjoyed. Yeah, I kind of, I liked it, but I, I don't know. When I watched the trailer for New the New Mutants. It kind of felt the same way, so we'll see yeah. what happens. Yeah, I'm also looking forward to the New Mutants panel only because I remember first seeing this trailer like over a year ago, and this movie has been delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed. And then, uh, of course, 20th Century Fox um, just got uh, acquired by Disney, and I don't know if that affected uh, this film at all. I don't know if there are reshoots, so just hearing the actors and the filmmakers come together for a panel I think would be interesting. I'm sure they're going to talk about the delays a little bit. Uh, I'm also really looking forward to the Bill and Ted panel. Yeah, I was a fan funny. of the first film. Yeah, I can't say that I was a huge fan of the second one. Did you watch the second one, uh, Bogus Not Journey? This, no, I didn't see the second one though. Yeah. No. So this is basically yeah, was, a reboot, right? Or no? Or is it kind no, of no? Like, it's it's a sequel. It's a sequel to it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It's uh the second one was kind of dark and kind of twisted, I guess you could say. But yeah, it looks like this is kind of capturing the spirit of the original. So I am looking forward to that one. Next story, and I think this was inevitable here, is Tenet and Mulan are delayed again. Not so, surprised. Not surprised either. Is no. there any hope that our movie theaters, our beloved movie theaters, will open up before the end of the year? Oh, before the end of the year? I would yeah. say not all of them, no. Uh, we joked earlier that Bad Boys 3 could get an Academy Award nomination or two. <laughs> This year, because you know it was a likable movie, it made some good money. But you're saying, that <laughs> and honestly, I was though, yeah, I was, I was joking, and now yes. I'm thinking maybe, maybe Martin Lawrence for best supporting actor, maybe <laughs> it's kind of looking more and more like a reality. It's funny, but um, so uh, I, I was you know surfing around YouTube, and then a lot of critics are basically announcing their best like top five films of the year so far, and you're seeing a lot of interesting movies on that list. Like Sonic the Hedgehog is appearing on everyone's list of top five movies so far at, at like the the halfway point of the year, and you and you got to say, you know, if this was a regular movie going year, would that have been on there? Probably not, maybe. But I mean, who knows? No. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> no. next bit of news here: another streaming service, another one. So we got the another Peacock. One now and you know i'm always good for good content i really am but paying like 10 to 20 dollars a month for all of these different services it kind of starts to add up i'm not even really sure what hbo max is really offering just yet and they pretty much like stole friends from netflix and then they got the schneider cut coming out 
um, next year of the Justice League. But it's like, how are they different from HBO Go, HBO Now, and now they have HBO Max? And it's like, none of their stuff is even in 4K. And then you got like Quibi, the Peacock. I mean, I want to ask you, is this excessive? See, it's not so much for me, like the whole 4K aspect and what they're offering in terms of the quality of resolution. It really is more of just the oversaturation of the market. I mean, it's it's with all these deals going on with that what Netflix has so far and then now being taken away from like NBC, like, well, we own this show, so we're opening up our own streaming services. It's like the, 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 the shows that we love are going to be so spread out among different sh- services is that, yeah, the money's going to add up and it's going to be like, well, I don't want to pay $10 to watch Friends. And that's mm-hmm. it because there's nothing else really that I enjoy on there mm-hmm. for 10 bucks a month. Like that's yeah. just not worth it. Whereas when, when, you know, when, when Netflix did it in the beginning, completely like everything was kind of consolidated there. So I, I have a feeling that, that it's just going to be oversaturated and it, it's going to be a little bit of a mess. So that's another look at the news for this past week. I wanted to talk about what's available for streaming. Not a lot of new titles out this week, but I do want to bring everyone's attention to a movie called The Assistant. It got a lot of buzz uh, late last year, and uh, it's coming to Hulu, actually. So you can stream oh, it there for yes. free. Hulu is another one, too. Yep. Yeah. Hulu is great, though. Hulu has yes. been established. Yeah. And then they got Palm Springs, which is a movie that we're going to be reviewing uh, this week. But um, yeah, really looking forward to seeing this one. It got uh, 92% Rotten Tomatoes. Julia Garner is in this from Ozark, and she's been on fire lately. Everyone's kind of talking about her. I hear she's really, really good in this. So look at future episodes. Next week, we will be reviewing The King of Staten Island, and we will also be going through our top five Judd Apatow movies of all time. And the week after, to celebrate the 10th anniversary of Inception, we will be reviewing the film, and we will also be ranking our top five Christopher Nolan movies of all time. Gonna That's going to be a hard thing to do, but I'm going to love gonna that episode. your favorite episode, probably. <laughs> so. Yeah. All right. Any thoughts, comments, suggestions, or reviews of our content? Drop us a line at thepodfellaspodcast at gmail.com. And please tell your friends about us. Our podcast can be found on the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, as well as Spotify. All right, that's a quick look at this week's entertainment news. For our podcast listeners, we're going to take a short break. And for our YouTube watchers, uh, we will be back in a little bit with a new episode. Thanks. It's going to be a beautiful wedding. Here you are, standing on the precipice of something so much bigger than anyone here. But always remember, you are not alone. I don't think that we met. I'm Sarah. Niles. Hi. Hi. Good day so far? Today, tomorrow, it's all the same. You! What is going on? Hey, get out of the water, girl! Guess you followed me. It's one of those infinite time loop situations you might have heard about. That I might have heard about? Yeah. The second you fall asleep, it all just goes back to the start. I drove all the way back home to Austin, and I still woke up here. One time, I smoked a bunch of crystal and made it all the way to Equatorial Guinea. It was a huge waste of time. Well, then what's the point of living? We kind of have no choice but to live. No, I'm going to get out of this. Suit yourself. See you tomorrow. 
Now what do we do? You just have to embrace the fact that nothing matters. Do you sleep with people in here? Great question. I have, but it takes a lot of work. May I cut in? It's the first dance. And that's a deal breaker? That didn't work. <laughs> Let's waste some time. Now on to a review of the film Palm Springs starring Andy Samberg and Kristen Milioti. As always, we're going to talk about what we liked, what we didn't like, and then we're going to offer our final review. First things first, here is a quick look at the synopsis. When carefree Niles and reluctant maid of honor Sarah have a chance encounter at a Palm Springs wedding, things get complicated as they are unable to escape the venue themselves or each other. And to put it simply, this is basically a Groundhog Day kind of redo, but a version of the movie in which one person stuck in the time loop can bring someone else into that time loop with them. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you first, Will, what did you like about this movie? This was actually a funny film. I, mm-hmm. I went into this movie thinking it's a typical teen comedy, all the same jokes and antics, but it actually brought more to the table than expected. Mm-hmm. Um also, the thought of being stuck in a wedding time loop had me recalling all the routine experiences from all the weddings like you and I actually have filmed yeah. <laughs> over the course of the last 10 years. And what I mean by that uh, is the redundancy of what a wedding entails. And after like yeah. the what, the fifth wedding, maybe the third, it, it just felt like we were, we were in our own time loop because <laughs> yeah. we just knew Shooting what, the same what wedding every over and, yeah, over. Yeah, over and over again, same thing. When we think of being stuck in a time loop, we think of doing anything and everything, uh, knowing that there won't be any consequences. Uh, but I never thought about what could have occurred in that day, which could dictate how you would have to deal with it every yeah. single day. Yeah, it's so, the concept of... People forget what you do because they will loop, right? But yeah. you remember what you do and you have to live yes. with what you do and the consequences of it. And, and they I talk thought, about that. Yeah. yeah, and I was just like, wow, that that was that was interesting to watch. I think mm-hmm. having no explanation, well, and the other thing too is just having no explanation when we talk about the whole technical aspect of the, the, the time loop, like no explanation how the time loop came into existence and it being located in a random cave in Palm Springs, maybe a little thin, but like knowing that anyone, many people can get stuck in the same loop once they enter was interesting. Like this is how yeah. Niles and Sarah get caught up in it, as well as Roy, who was played by J.K. Simmons. Yeah. <laughs> <It> was <great. laughs> he was so good in this. He's good in everything. He's always yeah, great. But I, yeah. Go on. Here's yeah. the thing for me is that, uh, you know, if you're doing a sci-fi time loop, you have to really almost get into the details of why this loop exists and how you're going to get out of it if you're doing like a rom-com i think so if it's sci-fi because you it's the devil is in the details but if it's a rom-com like groundhog day or or palm springs i don't think you don't want to you know dwell in that you know so that's why i feel like it was comedy of it yeah and the situation sure yeah on the premise so here i thought it was just it was campy but Mm. it should be campy is kind of what i thought about it anyway go ahead well so i so what i really enjoyed though was the just focusing on the comedy and the story of this was just the chemistry mm-hmm. between Niles and Sarah. Um, mm-hmm. They really complimented each other in every scene. Uh, I, my favorite Completely. scene was when they were eating burritos and Sarah was asking who Niles has had sex with while stuck in the loop. <laughs> <laughs> and I laughed so hard when he tells her how he had sex with her dad. There was even a flashback. 
and 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 just the details of that you have to watch it if you have hulu like you have to watch it you have to watch it i i have to watch it literally died laughing it felt like a soap opera moment it was so funny but it was also hilarious (laughs) yeah i'm thinking about now to see yeah yeah, it's it's also hilarious to see roy hunting niles and killing him multiple times due to his grudge against him for trapping him in the time loop uh (laughs) yeah and how that happens is basically like they both are basically high and and so they find the cave and and that's how it happens basically um well i really like the two romantic leads sandberg and miliotti um they play two fully fleshed out fully realized human beings that we not only related to but we wanted the best for and it's rare to like watch a romantic comedy these days where the characters are unique and not some cookie cutter version of characters that we've seen over and over again Mm. and sandberg and miliotti really had genuine chemistry here and i really kind of was rooting for them to succeed right uh the movie is a comedy and even though it deals with a time loop which is something out of science fiction it treats the logic of it with a perfect amount of camp and humor i mean the special effects are cheesy but they're supposed to be yeah and they don't take that whole time loop element too seriously because they're not supposed to in my opinion you know yeah so the whole idea of a cave which just opened up after an earthquake with that being the cause of the time loop. Uh, and then you enter the cave, you enter the time loop. And they don't really get into it more than that, which I don't think they really need to. No. Um, we talked about J.K. Simmons as Roy. He is good in everything that he's in. I mean, Whiplash, he won an Academy Award for. And he is just so damn funny in this. And kind of like we talked about, he plays a character accidentally pulled into the time loop with uh, Niles. Since uh, Niles was basically going through a cocaine and alcohol-fueled bender. And he was just like, what J.K. Simmons, his character says, oh, I wish we could just live this night over and over and over again. And yeah. then <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Niles says, okay. And then he pulls him into the cave. So yeah, I would be pretty pissed too. <laughs> I loved one of the central themes in the movie as well, which is that, you know, whether the day repeats and everyone forgets what you've done, you still remember and you have to live with what you do. Yeah. And I think it's a reminder to us that even though we try to run from our problems in real life and the people around us may not know about all of our baggage and the skeletons in our closet, the fact is they're always going to be there and we're going to eventually have to face them. And that's something that the characters have to grapple with here as well. Mm. So, yeah, that's what I liked. Let's talk about what we didn't like. Back to you, Will. Anything I, you didn't like? I, you know, I didn't have high expectations for this film going into it, and I didn't have mm-hmm. any serious issues with it at all because of that. Okay. I, I think it. I watched it for what it was, and it was good. It was fun. Uh, this Don't take it seriously. Literally, just, just watch it for just what it is, and, have, and it's yeah. actually good. It's not just like a good mindless fun. It's actually like, oh, wow, this is actually a decent story with great comedy and uh mm-hmm. andy samber is kind of scaring me with his way how he's like acting kind of more reserved but you know what it, yeah. it's good you see him stretching himself so <laughs> other than that opening masturbation scene where he's completely <laughs> naked right <laughs> that's a little less reserved there that's a little more uh only because <laughs> that's a little more dick in the box than but yeah, other, yeah but the other stuff in the movie i really yeah. felt like that that really um set up the scene of like why is he like you know you see his his beautiful girlfriend and then like yeah. you know the way she's acting like she needs to go and he's he's so restless and you're thinking well maybe he's just you know like just really yeah. not looking forward to his wedding and then you realize oh he's stuck in a time loop so yeah. it, it just kind of who knows how many days he's been in this loop right <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. so what about you yeah. what, what didn't you like 
Um, there's really nothing that I dislike. The movie really did grab me from the get-go. And uh, when a movie does that, I'm willing to forgive a lot of its shortcomings. Mm. If I had to nitpick, there was a side storyline that has to do with Sarah's complicated love life. But they revealed it in such a way that you were asking for an answer to a question presented earlier on. Yes. And so it was really smart for them to do that. So I didn't have a huge problem with that or really any part of this movie. Like we were saying... This is a certain type of movie, and I think these types of movies should be appreciated for what they are. And it really did execute perfectly. It's a, a romantic comedy, and yeah. it's kind of based off of a tried-and-true formula that was established by movies like Groundhog Day. And I thought it really just was really, really fun to watch. Crazy that um, I only saw Groundhog Day only a couple yeah. of days ago. It was my first yeah, time watching yeah. it. And that's why I was like, oh, okay, that's where they got the idea. Okay, so. Was it in preparation for our time loop movies? Yes, it was. Yeah. Definitely. Cool. So. Yeah, I just saw it rewatched a couple days ago, too. But anyway, let's get to our final review of the film. You first, Will. I give it a 3.5. Fun watch, good acting, funny, fun, different portrayal of a time loop story. So definitely give it a, give it a watch. Give it a go. You're going you're gonna to enjoy it. So Yeah. Yeah, I gave it four stars, and I know that might seem a little Whoa. high, but like we were saying, yeah, some people think a four star rating is really high for a movie in this genre. But like I said before, it clicks on all cylinders. Every plot point is properly explained and realized. The script is airtight. Uh, tonally, the it was directed the way it should have been, and all the characters and the story they really line up perfectly, and it was well executed. The characters are fully fleshed out and understandable. And most of all, the movie is really fun and laugh out loud funny. And like we were saying, there's really nothing wrong with it. And it's just a really fun watch, well executed. So I have to give it four stars. Too bad this can't be uh, nominated for an Academy Award. Maybe. It, no, it could. Can it? Yeah. Even though it was well, it, it was purchased at Sundance for, I believe, a record $17.5 million. And the idea was that it was supposed to get a theatrical run. So that was the original intention. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that the Academy Award uh, admissions rules are changing this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I, maybe it'll have a shot at getting nominated. Because there are a lot of movies that were supposed to come to theaters but never actually did, right? True. Like Capone was one of them, right? True. True, true, true. <laughs> that, Remember Capone? <laughs> yes, I do remember Capone. Very, All right. very sad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Gonorrhea will kill you. And so syphilis. <laughs> oh, yes. man. Anyway, that was the Podfellows review of Palm Springs. It's available on Hulu now, playing at all major couches across America. For our, for our YouTube viewers, we'll be back with a look at our top five time loop movies of all time. And for our podcast listeners, we will take a short break. I like your tattoos. What are those numbers on your arm? Oh, that's uh, the date my dad died. He was a fireman. Died in a fire 17 years ago. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Don't be, it's fine. Knock, knock. Who's there? Not your dad. You can't focus on Scott anymore, honey. He's 24 years old, Marjorie. Let that fucking bird fly, please. Don't worry, Mom. I know your daughter got smart and went to college and abandoned us. But I'm still here. I'm going to be here forever. Yeah. People told me slow my road. I want to become a real tattoo artist. Your work is mad inconsistent. Obama ain't right. Oh, I love your tattoos. This is my favorite. <laughs> I've been dating someone for a little while now. The first guy you date in 17 years is a fireman just like that? You don't think that's weird? You're going to have to pull your weight a little more around here. Maybe help Ray get his kids to school. Kelly, do you know him? He's a new friend. You OK? You know, you could tell me. I'm OK. Oh, I trained her in the car. She's not going to break.
Will and I are going to be discussing our top five time loop movies of all time. Now, what is a time loop movie? I'm sure you're asking. So we had to develop a set of rules and laws that I think differentiate a time loop movie from a time travel movie. So here's kind of what we lay down. A time loop movie centers around a premise where the day, the week, or any set amount of time repeats over and over and over again until the protagonist is able to get out. So with those guidelines set, uh, there is a smallish smaller list of movies that i think qualify and these are films like you know happy death day um edge of tomorrow palm springs source code to name a few there are a lot more titles and there are of course tv shows that deal with this genre i believe russian doll is one of them but we're limiting this list to movies mm -hmm. so with that being said i think we should go right into it so i'll start with my number five my number five favorite time loop movie of all time is Happy Death Day. So I love the horror movie take on the time loop drama. We've seen in movies before this that if you die, the day resets. But what if when you die, the whole point is that you're stuck in the loop until you find your killer? It's a great premise. And this is a star making performance from Jessica Roth, who is in pretty much every scene of the movie. Really, really good. I also like Happy Death Day to you, the, the sequel, but it wasn't as good as the original. So that is my number five. What is yeah, your number five, Will? Hmm. Really? Check that out. Oh, yeah, check it out. It's it's fun. It's what really year? Good. Is that? Fun? Um, I think it came out like three years ago. Yeah. And then oh, the sequel recent. came out last year. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a Blumhouse like movie. Oh, I told you that was gonna be like an '80s film or something. <laughs> oh no no. <laughs> All right. What's your number five? Will? My number five is Groundhog Day. And as I mm. said, I I saw this film for the first time a couple of days ago, and I have to say, this must be the film that started it all. Um, I believe it is, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what it was? It was the '80s or '90s that this was. Uh, early '90s. Early yeah. '90s, yeah. It like yeah, literally was the inspiration of Palm Springs and how Bill Murray takes advantage of his situation in every manner, but then learns so much more about himself and the life he leads. He changes to becoming a better man, a better Samaritan, and a comedy that was just classic Bill Murray. So your number five is my number four. Oh. Um, so. Yeah, I think we agree. This is the movie that started it all. There may have been like certain days or certain movies or TV shows, maybe a Twilight episode, a Twilight Zone episode, who knows, yeah. in which a day repeats. But I think this is the movie that inspired every movie that came after it. Yeah. Um, having rewatched it like you, I rewatched it on Netflix this past week. Um, but watching it in 2020, it feels very different than when I first saw it. I don't think the first half of the movie, Call Me Crazy, holds up as well in the post-Me Too movement world that we're living in. If hmm. you think about it, uh, he is trying to sleep with his producer, and he's trying to basically learn details to sleep with women while he's stuck in the time loop. So I'm yeah. just like, uh, this is a little sensitive uh, right now, I would have to say. But when Bill Murray's character, Phil, realizes that, oh, I need to be a better man. I need to, you know, I have this gift to help people, right? Uh, the movie gets, I would almost say sentimental and emotional, and you really start to care for him, and he starts to change. He starts to make the most of his time, saving lives, learning how to play the piano. And I think that is where, like, it becomes a classic Bill Murray funny movie. And it, he's really comic genius throughout, but I would say uh, more specifically in the last 30 to 40 minutes. All right, so that was my number four. What's your yes. number four film? My, my number four is Palm Springs. And mm. it's basically an adaptation to Groundhog Day, obviously with, with certain uh, degrees of changes. And the only reason why is because, I, I, I mean, it's just... I guess more up to date with the comedy in the sense, not that I have mm -hmm. no discredit to the, the comedy that's in Groundhog Day, but mm -hmm, of course. like never, yeah, nevertheless fun and enjoyable to watch. Like it could literally 
<laughs> Palm Springs can literally be called Wedding Day if if that was the case. <laughs> it basically yeah. had the same antics, but you know, like I said, the plot twist with the with the characters, it was it really really uh, you know bumped it up for me to put it at number mm-hmm. four. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I left that movie off my list simply because it's kind of what inspired us to rank these movies to begin with. But uh, yeah, I don't know where I would have put Palm Springs if I had put that on this list, but it would definitely it would have made the list for sure. But uh, yes, yeah, cool. yeah, I'm glad six. to see that that <laughs> I'm glad to see that that made your list. Yeah. So on to our number threes. I think you might have had this higher on your list, Will. But uh, my number three film is Edge of Tomorrow. And I think mm. they changed the name later to Live, Die, Repeat. Or live die repeat edge of tomorrow. So live die repeat. They changed the name multiple the origi- times. Well, live die no, repeat was, is the original it was, Japanese no, it name. Was, it was it was edge of tomorrow, and then they changed it to I think live die repeat. But people were like confusing. So then when it came out on Blu-ray, they finally changed it again to live die repeat colon edge of tomorrow. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> All right. So uh, whoever whoever's in charge of marketing <laughs> needs to fix needs to like they're I don't confusing know. themselves. Yeah. 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 But uh, anyway, this was, in my opinion, the well, not the first, but this is an action movie version of Groundhog Day. I think Source Code came before this. But uh, this one caught me off guard in that I was expecting another like typical Tom Cruise action movie mm-hmm. where he starts out as the cocky, cool super stud that has to change. But here, that element is ever so slightly knocked on its head in that Cruise plays someone that's never been on a battlefield before mm-hmm. and is a total fish out of water and has to learn to fight and has to has to grow in that way um so this movie is legitimately funny and i wasn't expecting that and i thought bill paxton was really really good in this Uh, and of course we were introduced to action hero emily blunt and she is badass in this movie yeah really good so i think the i think the plot point in which they say how Cruz is able to repeat the day it revolves around aliens it's a little thin you know, but so is the whole premise of a time loop movie. Well, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's funny, though, though, because, yeah, so you have that a number. I think we did a little switch, though, because Edge of Tomorrow Switcheroo. was number, Yeah, so my Edge of Tomorrow was number two. Yeah. And, and everything that you said was basically spot on. And I thought the concept was great and action-packed and, mm-hmm. and, you know, a better than acceptable story, in my opinion, because there's aliens involved. But for my number three, which I think is your number two, <laughs> mm-hmm. is Source Code. So my number three is source code because it's it's definitely a trip and I would like yeah. just m- a mental trip and I and I would kind of consider that film more of like a a mind loop than anything yeah um, and the technology created to build this story is is a bit of a stretch in my opinion but <laughs> in the Completely. same way yeah but we're talking about time loops so you know i know yeah i know but nevertheless it's an interesting concept but for me i picked uh, source code uh, as something higher on the list than edge of tomorrow simply mm. because i think it deals with uh, higher overarching themes that you know affect all of us it's a little more philosophical i would say so this movie really feels yeah. like it was based more on a philip k dick novel the, the man that wrote the stories for blade runner as well as minority report and mm. that it talks about you know like i said themes that kind of transcend the science fiction genre honestly the idea of gyllenhaal entering a virtual world created from victims memories in order to find the bomber of a train that's thin, but it's okay because it's just the premise that we start from. It's the springboard. Say that again, and, though, because that just. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say it, it again. Sounds what? Gyllenhaal enters a virtual world created from victims' <laughs> memories in order to find the bomber of a commuter train. 
It's a little thin, right? That's <laughs> a little great. bit. Like, where? Yeah. How in the yeah. world can you conceptualize? That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. But but so is Tom Cruise getting alien blood on him, which causes him to now loop the day. You know. With but, aliens. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> that's but the aliens. that's the exception. <laughs> that's the caveat. Yes. <laughs> anyway. Um, but you know, for source code, it's the premise we start from, and the rest of the movie is really soundly crafted. Um, I love the end of the film, which hints at an alternate timeline being created from a simulation because of what Gyllenhaal's character was able to do in the movie. Mm. And it begs the question, what is reality to us? Isn't it just whatever our brain tells us is going on? And in that way, maybe it's a little similar uh, to The Matrix. Yes, right? I, is that exactly what I was breathing? Th- yes, exactly yeah. what I was thinking. Yep. Yeah. But I always love when a movie reaches for something more, which is why I love the film like Interstellar so much, which is, I'm sure, a film that we'll talk about um, when we discuss Nolan's top five. But that was my number two. So I think we've covered all of our lists so far down to our number one films. Why don't you go ahead and go first, Will? Number one, I had to pick Doctor Strange. Uh, Mm. Dude, one of my Mm. favorite Marvel films taking okay. this story that doesn't involve science or super soldiers but like <laughs> sorcery and magic basically harry mm. potter on steroids right and this is a film you you just you know you have to accept it it's just it's it's obviously it, it goes beyond any logic but it's a superhero film you know what i mean yeah so the awesome multiverse and visual effects with the hand gestures to go from one point to another and the awesome infinity stone that bends yes dude <laughs> yeah I, I have you seen the behind the scenes for that when, when you see benedict coming back to actually doing it but there's no visual effects it's just yeah. it's it's funny but it's really yeah. cool like how how in it he's in it the it, the end of the film is basically dr strange just like making dormammu lose his patience right for yeah. having to repeat the same thing the same scene over and over and over again i thought that was pretty and i like so how good. they played it for laughs actually yeah he, yeah, he made the bad guy impatient. <laughs> That's how he won. And I thought that was really, really clever. I mean, actually. but if I, if I go back to Edge of Tomorrow, though, too, it's like every time Cruz kept dying, I mean, really, that editing where it, you just see him like, boom, 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 like same, same yeah. scene. It gets comedic, you know? It's yeah. just like, and it's it should, just so and funny. it's okay. It's yeah. so great. Yep. Yeah. But, All right. So yeah. this is maybe a little bit of a stretch. Is this an actual time loop movie? Scientifically speaking, no. But to the main character, he is stuck in his own time loop. So it's one of those things where it's like the judge says, I'll allow it. But I don't know. I don't know what you think. But I I picked Memento as my number one time loop movie of all time. This movie is a freaking head trip. And the reason why I think it's a time loop movie is because our main character, Leonard, played by Guy Pearce, has interrogated amnesia, which means he can't form new memories, which means that he is living the same segment of time over and over and over and over again. And in order, he's trying to basically find the the man who raped and murdered his wife. And because he keeps forgetting, he starts tattooing um, evidence and names and details onto his body so that he can at least remember those things. Yeah, the structure of the movie is unique, really unique. I've never seen anything like it, and it just works so perfectly. I'm not going to try to explain it other than there are sections of the movie that basically happen forward in time and certain scenes of the movie that happen backward in time. And at the climax, those two sections, they meet to reveal something startling about our main character. Yes. So that's all I will say about that. But I really feel like Nolan is making a, a bold statement about how human beings deal with trauma I will not give any more away than that. So you have to watch the movie. For our podcast listeners, we'll take a little bit of a break. And for our YouTube watchers, we'll be back with a new episode in a couple of days. 
sure it's known the company's in business. I see that it had a certain panache. That's what I'm good at. Not the work, not the work. The presentation. Kielbasa sausage, cheeses, beluga, caviar. Yes. And of course, who could live without German cigarettes? Uh, as many as you can find. It's more fresh fruit. The real rarities, oranges, lemons, pineapples. I mean, several boxes of Cuban cigars, the yes. best. And dark unsweetened chocolate, not in the shape of ladyfingers. It's a chunk of chocolate, big yes. as my hands. You sample at wine tastings. 900, no, make it 10 for Wednesday. All this stuff here goes to mattresses factory. I lost a worker. I expect to be compensated. He's on the list? Yes. Well, let's find him. Stern! 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 It's hard, stand! Stop the train! He's here! Stop the train! Stop the train! So for some of our newer watchers out there, Will and I started a series called the 10 Over 10 series where uh, he and I look back at 10 of our favorite films of all time and we kind of go through and talk about what we love so much about them. So this is our last film in the series. It was Will's film. He picked this, this one. Fine. Schindler's List. Yeah. Directed by Steven Spielberg. So as always in our 10 over 10 series, first thing we do is talk through our honest reaction. This is a segment where I reveal interesting facts about the movie. And then we, of course, provide our honest reactions. So first of all, interesting little fact here. You told me this 33 years after dropping out of Cal State Long Beach, Spielberg finally received a BA in film and video production, which is what Will got from that school, mm -hmm. from his newly minted alma mater, like I said, Cal State Long Beach in 2002. Go the Beach. director re-enrolled in secret and gained his remaining credits by writing essays and submitting projects under a pseudonym. In order to pass a film course, he submitted Schindler's List as a student project. I was pissed. No, I <laughs> that was annoying. Like, are you freaking kidding me right now? Yeah. <laughs> so do you think this is cheating, Will? Um, you know, I, I get, yes, in, in layman's terms, yes, but he's Steven Spielberg and he was actually just there to prove a point to his kids that they need to go to college. Yeah. And so his kids were like, well, you didn't go to college, dad. He's like, all right, fine. And he went and he did it. It's like, now you got to go. So, yeah. yeah. So ladies and gentlemen, Schindler's List is a student film. <laughs> yeah. It's senior thesis. <laughs> oh my right. gosh. That's so annoying. So Spielberg had the rights to Schindler's List for a really long time, but he felt like he wasn't ready to make the film. He actually, when he had the rights, asked some other people to direct it. He asked Roman Polanski, who declined. He also asked Sidney Pollack, who declined. Mm. Eventually, he asked Martin Scorsese, and he said he would do it. But it came, there came a point in his career where Spielberg said, no, I am ready to direct this film. So he took the movie back from Scorsese and kind of said, I'll trade you and gave him the rights to Cape Fear, which was also nominated oh, wow. for many Academy Awards. So that little tidbit there, I think it would have been a very different movie, but still a great movie if, if Scorsese had directed it. You think over um, under three hours? I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, that's a good question. <laughs> Schindler's this would it have been one Irishman long or one and a half Irishman's long. I don't know. It's a good question. Um, when Spielberg finally decided to make Schindler's List, it had taken him so long that when he submitted the budget for it, uh, Universal said, hell no. 
It was only a $23 million movie, and for Spielberg, that's not a lot, especially with his track record, but it was a black and white Holocaust movie, mm-hmm. and it was a bit risky. So they basically said, okay, fine. You want to do this? You got to make another one for us. So he made this other smallish independent movie called Jurassic Park, <laughs> and those two movies, Schindler's List and Jurassic Park, were released in the same year. But not only that, that year for the Academy Awards, um, Schindler's List won seven Academy Awards. And number two on the list for most Academy Awards won was Jurassic Park. So he a Spielberg-directed yeah. movie that year won 10 Academy Awards. Um, I remember when I first watched this film, I was in the eighth grade. I didn't understand all of it, to be honest with you. But of course, there are certain moments that were ingrained in my head and are still from the first time I, I saw these images back when I was in the, in, when I was in the eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember I was still fully engaged the entire three hours, even though I didn't understand everything. And I remember bawling like a baby at the end of this film. And mm-hmm. I still can't get through the end of the film without crying or at least shedding some tears. Um, I had just recently watched it. And it, this is one of those movies where if you watch, it takes me about a week to get over. <laughs> so the re- <laughs> for me, the replay value is like at zero. But that doesn't take away from the quality of this movie because it is an amazing film. I, of course, understand more of it now and more of the themes. Yeah. So I think that's why the movie resonates even more with me. And in that way, I feel so much more. And it hurts. You know, it, it hurts when I watch this movie. Literally 15 to 20 minutes in, my heart starts to ache. And I think that's the power of film. So, yes, uh, the performances still hold up. Everyone is still amazing. The filmmaking, the power of of the film and the meaning behind it, I think it's actually, for myself, it means so much more now, being a father, being a husband, and especially during our time right now with what we're going through, we're dealing with racism and intolerance, and I think a movie like Schindler's List is still really, really, really important. So it's funny, you watched it in eighth grade. I, I watched it when I was in high school, Uh, early in my high school years and it Mm -hmm. really made a strong impact on me i remember it was due to my history teacher really embedding the significance of history in general that history is always alive it's the story of our life keeps it keeps a record of Mm. all our right and wrong doings it's our teacher and we are making history as we speak uh mind you this was literally a week before 9 11 happened so mm. it was, cra- yeah, it's just crazy. Um, Schindler's List, it invoked not only a historical lesson of the Holocaust and a story of heroism of Oscar Schindler, but crafted in it in a way beautifully and so meticulously to focus on the bigger picture, which is why I thought it was brilliant being done in black and white. Liam Neeson, Ray Fiennes, and Ben Kingsley, their performances are just, imp- are just impeccable. The soundtrack... Oh my gosh. The soundtrack, one of the most beautiful soundtracks I can listen to over and over again, regardless of my mood. And even though it is depressing, it moves me in it moves me every time. The, to me, this film still holds up in terms of our history and what we're sort of dealing with, as you mentioned earlier, with these days in terms of how people are dealing with our economy, racism, and politics. Uh, stylistically, it still holds up with the beautiful cinematography, although the medium of the film has changed and there aren't many black and white films. It's still beautifully shot and, and, and the lighting and and everything that just this film entails is just amazing. In terms of favorite scenes, uh, for me, 
It's hard to name a scene that's so traumatic as one of my favorite, but from a filmmaking perspective, nothing beats the liquidation of the ghetto. So Spielberg has always been one of the best action filmmakers ever. It's how he moves the camera. It's how he places the camera. Mm -hmm. This guy, I mean, we've seen this before in like behind the scenes featurettes, but he's literally cutting the movie in his head as he shoots. So what happens when you take the guy that shot the opening of Raiders of the Lost Ark and have him direct an absolutely horrific scene? Um, it's something you can't forget. And yeah. in this movie, we see that this is the churning point for Schindler too. This scene has to be horrifying because that's when Oscar Schindler starts to change because you see him on horseback as he watches this happen. Yeah. And then mentally, he starts to be like, oh my gosh, like what, what? They're killing these people, right? Um, and so, yeah, that's one of the reasons why I think his character arc works. Such a good scene too that you just mentioned. And I've probably watched the scene a million times it's the scene where almond goth played by played by ray fines walks down to the basement of his villa to find helen his jewish maid um played by mbeth davids uh he sees her standing in her nightgown with her hair wet and basically talks to her with random conversation of compliments on her cooking that she must be cold being in the basement telling her he'd give references to other people if she decides to work somewhere else after the war however her freedom to work elsewhere was never going to happen. As mm -hmm. a Jew, she was forced to be his maid. And it was a strong scene of his forbidden love for her and fighting with his demons not to give in and blaming her for her Jewish tricks for it. Like, ever since Amon Goth became the commandant for the concentration camp where he was uh, placed, uh, where Helen was, you could tell he had a clear attraction, a silent lust for her and his obsession grows throughout the film where even when we know the war was lost he would kill her so that no one else could have her so here's the thing about spielberg um i feel that his scenes he is a very on-the-nose director and that's not a bad thing i think yeah, in action yeah, I, th I, I think he tends to be yeah, that makes his work even stronger spielberg is going to go down as one of the top three directors top that three. ever lived yeah but if he had a flaw at all, it could be that he's a bit on the nose with his with his more emotion filled scenes. And I'm talking about like the opening and the end of um, Saving Private Ryan, where like Matt Damon's character falls and he's like, did I live a good life? Or, you know, at the end of E.T., which still works. Right. It, it's perfect. Yeah. Or even a movie like War Horse, where a boy is tied to his horse. And then there are scenes in this movie that are, I would say, could border on melodrama. Um, but it works because the payoff was so because the setup was so strong. So uh, I'm a little bit conflicted with some of the scenes in this movie. For example, the end scene, I still watch it and I cry. The one where he talks about how like one more thing could have saved one more life mm -hmm. or even the, the idea of the girl in the red coat. These are all very on the nose things that he uses to, to elicit a certain response. And it's not a bad thing. But it works. Yeah, but you, it works. You know you felt it. Yeah. You definitely felt but, it. But for me now, I'm a little bit more appreciative of things that are a little more subtle. That's why I actually appreciate a film like Munich, another masterpiece by yeah. Spielberg. Maybe I a little see. bit more than a film like this because the themes it deals with and how it deals with those themes, it's a lot more understated. So what is our overall rating of the film? Why don't you go ahead and go first, Will? Five stars. The film is a reminder. It's a good reminder from the beginning of the candle being lit that in the world we live in, no matter how dark it can be, we realize that we can, we'll always have a light instilled in us from the day we are born, which is always like, which will always cast out like darkness, like a film that carries so much burden and suffering, but has so much depth to understand the means of human tragedy and finally allowing yourself to feel the injustice you've suppressed and set aside 
uh, your needs for others. So it's it's just a beautiful film. I love this film a lot, and that might be depressing to say. So, <laughs> all right, I give this four and a half stars. So I do I do believe this movie is not without its flaws, but while you're watching it, you're not able to pick up on any because you're immersed in the drama of what you're seeing. Uh, if I had to name the best thing about this movie, though, it would be a tie between Spielberg's directing the ghetto scene as well as Fiennes' performance. Yeah. But still, like I said, the replay value for me on this movie is zero because it'll literally mess me up for a week. There are certain movies that are amazing, but I get messed up for a week. And like Monster was one of them with Charlize Theron. Yeah. Um, Fruitvale Station with Michael B. Jordan, another film that just completely like ruined me <laughs> for like a good amount of time. But yeah, I would say four and a half stars. All right, that was a look back at the film Schindler's List. I want to remind everyone to tune in next week where where we will be reviewing The King of Staten Island starring Pete Davidson and where Will and I will be going through our top five Apatow movies of all time. See you then. Take care, everyone.